Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And we are here to bring you part two of the Keegan Odyssey, where we look back at Kevin Keegan's autobiography in forensic detail. Um, mm. We The first episode we covered, according to the Kindle, 2% of the book. <laughs> oh, fuck it so this could well be a 50-part Odyssey. We'll try and rattle through it as quickly as we can. What's the book called again? I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, my my story. My, I think. my stuff. Yeah, my this and book. That. My book. <laughs> I would love it by Kevin. G- I would love it if you bought this book. It's my life in football yeah. and beyond. Looking at where we've, what we've got to so far, we just ended the last episode by talking about um, Keegan being made an honorary Freeman of Newcastle following all his endeavours at St James's Park. And one of the rights was that he was allowed to keep a cow on the town moor. Um, Alan Shearer was honoured the same way a few years later, says Kev. And I've told my former player, pulling rank there, he can put two cows on there if he likes, because I am not using mine. I (laughs) love Kevin Keegan. We We love him. He is a great man, right? And one of the reasons we love him is a childlike enthusiasm. But... When he says things like that, I don't doubt for a minute. I don't think that's just the ghostwriter padding stuff out. I actually do think that when Kevin sees Alan Shearer at a function, he goes straight over to him, all excited. Out of the cow, Alan. I say, the cow, you're going to have two because I'm not using mine. And he'll be like so excited. He'll have bought that on the way there. Or he's been out, he's had it up his sleeve for ages, ever since he heard that Alan Shearer had got Freeman of the City. And Alan has to sort of laugh politely because he probably likes Kev too. Of course. All of Kev's silly, they're basically, he's king of the dad jokes, really, isn't he? Yeah. Do you think he's actually gone out and ordered the cow and has had it delivered to Town Moor and has passed on the info to Shearer and said, this is this is the best place to get a cow from? Yeah, maybe. I got or this one from... He'll just be <laughs> making loads of... Like, Shearer will be like, oh, fucking hell, he comes Keegan again with... He'll have some stuff. cow joke. Hey, hey, moo! Creep up behind him. <laughs> Keegan will creep up behind him and tap him on one shoulder but then look round the other. <laughs> and then when Shearer looks, <laughs> yeah. Shearer will sort of roll his eyes like, hello, Kevin, and Kevin will go, moo! Oh, and then say to everyone else, oh, that's just a little private joke me and Al have got what are you drinking there Al what what's wrong with milk (laughs) (laughs) you've got your own cow in the town moor what are you not drinking Uh, milk for and Alan's like look uh, Kev I get it right we both there's the cow jokes I get them now (laughs) (laughs) is your cow not there then Alan where's your cow mine's there I'm sure it is I get updates on it like when you go or you see those adverts and you can adopt a a donkey in Spain and you pay £3 a month and you get updates it'll send you a letter once every six months. It's kind of like that. Harry Redknapp updated. did that, didn't he? Do you remember? It was one of my favourite all-time Sun covers yeah. was when they had discovered during summer when there wasn't much news, they did this whole front page <laughs> of a fucking 
paragliding donkey on some on <laughs> some that, spa, yeah. on some beach in somewhere like Marbella or yeah. Torremolinos or something. Unacceptable, right? wasn't it? Yeah, and they're like unacceptable, <laughs> like a whole front page, basically like fucking Spanish. Look what they're up to now, <laughs> right? And you wonder why we want out. Anyway, they thought, yeah, we'll splat that on, and it was fucking funny. And then the next day they had a follow-up story, which is. Redknapp agrees to adopt donkey, <laughs> paragliding donkey, because apparently they'd shown it to Harry, yeah. and Harry had been like all twitchy, like, oh no, it's unacceptable, you're right, I mean, I don't know, I'd love to do something, and they said, oh, well, maybe Harry, you could buy the donkey and save it that way, go, yeah, all right, I will, I how mean, much? that matches it, my sergeant might like a donkey out the back. <laughs> this is it! So, what have we got next? Meeting the Queen. I'm trying a little bit of Keegan humour, which is what we've just been talking about. A little bit of Keegan humour. Do you think he did the thing where he touched her on the shoulder and went around the other side? Yeah, he'll have had that, yeah. Uh, he, he, oh, he, sorry, Your Majesty. I don't even know which award it was, OBE or something. Hey, hey, Your Majesty, if I get one cow for being a freeman in Newcastle, I, I, I hate to think how many cows you've got access to. <laughs> She's like, I beg your pardon, who are you? <laughs> Double says, K, at your service. <laughs> Ma'am. <laughs> As she passed down the line, the Queen's first words when she reached me were, Oh, you've been around a long time, haven't you? I gave a little bow and tried my best to make her laugh. Yes, ma'am. Some people think possibly too long. <laughs> at which point she peered at me inquisitively. <laughs> Is it possible for one to be around too long, she asked? Then moved off without waiting for an answer. I had no fucking idea what she meant. But <laughs> it that's felt like the Queen, yeah. Enigmatic. <laughs> To be honest, I still worry today if it was a threat or not. I wake up in the night. But, you know, I like to think the best of people. So I assume she was just being, what do you call it, philosophical. (laughs) I didn't sleep that night. I thought MI6 were going to come in through the door. (laughs) Murder me in my bed. Harry Harry was just a a young man at the time. I produced a 50p from behind his ear, (laughs) then shook his hand with one of them joke shop shop electric shock handshake things. (laughs) She moved along the line. Um, he then goes back to his second spell at Newcastle because this is from the first chapter where he kind of rattles around through his career as a sort of an introduction Uh, so it's his second spell at Newcastle and he's talking about when it ends it was a 3-0 defeat at Arsenal in September 2008 and he says it's a match that will probably always be remembered for the television cameras picking out Mike Ashley in the away end where he proceeded to down a pint in roughly the same amount of time it has taken you to read this sentence (laughs) So that's really that's really stuck in his craw, isn't it? Ever since. Yeah, I don't think Kevin likes drinking either, does he? No, that's... there's quite there. We, there's bits about that later in the um, yeah later in the book. He's not a drinker, I which, got which that totally fits with his character. There's, there's bits where he talks about his dad and stuff, but he does talk about drinking he'll, and he'll sometimes have a half just to please his dad. Yeah, he talk, and his, his dad his, finds it annoying. He says his dad never had beer in the house, oh, but yeah. he'd like a drink down at the, yeah. the local club. Uh, but, um, I've got a bit highlighted. Here he goes. Would I be tempted back for a fourth spell at the club? Keegan four, if you like. Keegan four. <laughs> if it, I mean, that's what people might call it. I don't know, I'm just putting it out there. Keegan four, if you like. If a takeover meant new owners and a club no longer powered by the theory of chaos. <laughs> you can imagine him chewing the end of his pen as he's thought about that. How can I best describe what's going on at Newcastle at the moment? Ooh, madness? No. Crazy times? No. The theory of chaos. That's yes. what it's powered by. 
Some clubs are powered by passion or even business. Yeah. And they're powering it by the theory of chaos. Oh, that sounds right. Great, that does. Get that down. Now, that ship has sailed. But I do retain an exhilarating vision of what could happen if Newcastle were realigned, reignited in the way that happened during the 1990s. He's desperate to get back there, isn't yeah, he? that's Unfinished how I read business. that, yeah. And yeah. he's listed all the cunts as well, hasn't he? Mm. Mike Ashley, Tony Jimenez, Dennis Wise, Derek Lambius, and assorted others. <laughs> he's listed them. That's his, his yeah. shit list, isn't it? Thinking shit list. What was it? In my case, that involved. Oh yeah, the, the, he's he's getting to touch upon that infamous season. In my case, unfortunately, that involved burning out a twelve-point lead at the top of the Premier League, um, and the anguish of seeing Man United release our grip finger by finger from the Championship trophy before carrying it off to Old Trafford. Here's the line I like. It was like watching a beautiful painting being ripped apart in front of your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he thought of that Banksy the other month, the one that shredded oh, itself. What's it's happening to it? Ah, it's oh happening again. <laughs> was that Tito Esprit? It's 1996 all over again. Look oh, at the beautiful picture. Flaming Nora. <laughs> it's bringing back memories. Bit of housekeeping at this point. Someone complained that during the Keane book, Mm. When we were doing actual quotes, we did it in a normal voice, mm. and then when we mm. were doing key, we switched to the key yeah, voice. Okay, we should. We do need that. to, yeah, because yeah. we don't want to upset anybody. No, exactly. We should stick to the rules. What's next? What's next? Uh, I've got here where strangers come up to him and mm. Uh, mm. regularly sh- shout two words from car windows at him, and autograph hunters tell him they would love it if he could sign their pieces of paper. One family friend had love it as his ringtone, and when I go to charity events, I'm often asked to sign photographs, showing me in that classic pose. Headphones on, finger jabbing, blazing eyes. Strangely enough, those pictures tend to be auctioned for a lot more money than the ones where I'm playing for England or any of my clubs. No. He's not bitter. Yeah. He's not bitter. But, yeah. you know, and then he says, I've heard all the gags a thousand times. He's not bitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is a shame for him now. He goes, that's life. And I am comfortable enough in my own skin to see the funny side. I am. I really am. It's even part of my routine when I'm giving speeches because, heck, (laughs) if you cannot laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? Heck! What do you mean, (laughs) heck? Heck. He's like, you associate Kevin Keegan with being in comics and magazines of the 1970s. And in many ways, he retains the same, he retains the sort of persona and dialogue and demeanour of mm. a, a, an innocence a, of a lad from a 1970s is that comic a book. the Rovers character, yeah, isn't he? He's even saying yeah, that. Saying because heck. heck, if you cannot laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? I mean, Keane wouldn't have said heck in his book, would he? No. Fuck. Heck. Do you mean fuck? <laughs> is that your way of saying fuck? Roddy, you spelled fuck wrong here. I've been looking at the words you were writing yesterday and you've spelled fuck wrong. <laughs> you've started with a H. These are the basics. Yeah, Roy. Uh, we are trying to say feck. We are trying to be one of those comedy Irishmen. Kevin is uh, not someone who likes potty lad, potty mouthing at all. No, no. There's, I don't think there's any of that in the book that I've come across anyway. I'm only seven percent into it. Like it has to be said. So there's that. Um, yeah, and then he, he, he continues on and he says, uh, after all these years and everything I've done in my career, it never ceases to amaze me how many people seem to think my lifetime's achievements have nothing to do with football and consist of, in rough order, use a list, and not bitter, the time I crashed off my bike on television superstars, brilliant, oh. 
We'll do three episodes on that. Uh, my perm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, five episodes. And my top 40 record with Head Over Heels in Love. Now, I think it was just called Head Over Heels. I don't think it was called Head Over Heels in Love. He's got the title of his own song wrong there. What was it called? It's called Head Over Heels. Yeah. I'm going to Google that. I'm pretty sure it was, though. Yeah, it wasn't called Head Over Heels in Love. It might have had In Love in brackets afterwards, yeah. but... Proofreader should have got that, Kev. Sorry, mate. This is it! Liverpool fans of a certain age tend to ask why I ever wanted to leave Anfield. Because why would you ever want to leave Anfield? Mm. It's the cathedral. Hey, It's the cathedral of football. It's the cathedral of football. It's more than just a club. It's a life. It's a religion. Where else would you go in world football? What can compare or beyond? to that great club? There's planets over there. They've probably got football going on on them planets. It could be fantastical. It could they could have nine goals and the pitches might have fifteen corners to them. But how could it compare to Anfield on one of them classic European nights? You could travel on a Starship Enterprise to one of them places where they had the sexy green ladies dancing about. Oh. And they still wouldn't compare to watching Liverpool with the cop in full fucking voice. I'm talking about Outer galactic football with space knockers still not as good as Anfield. What are you doing, Kev? And they also used to ask if many people seem to believe that he had telepathic powers with his strike partner, mm. John Toshak. Do you think that was a thing? Did they think that? It was the telepathy. Ori- it was the original partnership that people there's been other partnerships since, hasn't there? Yeah. York and Cole. Quinn and Phillips. Cotty and McAvenny. Of course. <laughs> but, dog leash and rush. Yeah. But, that was the original one they based this idea of telepathy on. Yeah. Now, do we think telepathy exists between professional footballers, yes or no? Yes. Yes. I'm going to go yes. So. I think they were communing. John, flick it over the top. <laughs> and then keep running for the that? return ball. Voice in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Toshak's Welsh, isn't he? Voice in my head there. Oh, that's poor. Sorry. Um, what else does he say? Yeah, he, then he goes on to mention, obviously, the European night. Intoxicating occasions under Anfield's floodlights. Ding, cliche. <laughs> but, of course, he went to Hamburg, didn't he? And he said, he quite rightly points out, for Hamburg, there was another European Cup final, and it was in Germany that I was twice pronounced the best player in Europe. Yeah. We pronounce now the best player in Europe, and the pronouncement for this year is Kevin Keegan. Herr Kevin Keegan. Honorary German! Forever! <laughs> That's lovely, lads. I'll always be English in my heart, of course. No! Nine! <laughs> Silence, Keegan! Denounce your Englishness! <laughs> <laughs> They're an angry lot. They're an angry lot over there at times. They seem to have somebody with a chip on the shoulder. But Can't I imagine that's about the same. <laughs> I took it all with a pinch of salt. The sausages were fantastic. <laughs> Even when they locked me up a couple of times in a small box room with no light or food or water for days on end, I took it with a pinch of salt. The lads were as good as gold deep down. It was character building. Jalapeno. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jalapeño. And he touches back on Newcastle, the Newcastle Odyssey again. Were we go- too gung-ho at Newcastle sometimes? Yes! Exclamation mark. <laughs> but that was what we that built. That was the point! Yeah. That was what we, we built in contrary to what you might have heard. We were no mugs at the back. Emotion, excitement, passion. Free with every seat. That was the promise from the box office. I don't think that was ever the promise from no. the box office. I don't think they ever signs up or anything like that. But um, he'll be chewing the end of his pen when he wrote that again. Uh, there was nowhere else quite like it and if you can find anyone who thought our approach was bad for the game I would be interested to meet that person and I'll give them a piece of my mind (laughs) you had to see us that wasn't me talking it was everyone (laughs) everyone (laughs) even the scousers (laughs) and if that's how I am remembered that ultimately will be fine with me and that's the end of the first chapter where he, he just basically... Sort of an overview, isn't it? The yeah. first chapter of everything Or as they say he ever in Germany, did. an overview. Yeah. So we get back to uh, the very beginning, really, in the, the childhood era in uh, the next chapter. Um, <laughs> he talks about... He talks about lots of locations from his childhood and just basically mentions that they've all been demolished now and talks about what they are now. Yeah, Just so you, can, so you can build it a little bit. Yeah. I feel that's, so a, bit, I feel that's a little picture. bit padding. Do you think so? Yeah. Kevin would eat it. 85,000 words. Right. You haven't got much about your youth. I don't really remember much, to be honest. <laughs> oh, he does remember some things. Well, where did you grow up? I think it was Doncaster. <laughs> well, what's it like now? I don't know, but maybe I could drive there tomorrow. <laughs> make a day of it and make some notes on what I do and don't remember. <laughs> Here we are. The old showground where I began my professional career with Scunthorpe United was consigned to history 30 years ago. Bulldust, bulldust to make way for a quick-save supermarket with a plaque at the delicatessen counter to mark that was previously the centre uh-huh. spot. <laughs> and I tell you what, they got some great bargains on salami, <laughs> corned beef and samosas too. Lovely bit of Hazlitt for the weekend. I order, a, I order a vegetarian samosa at the deli counter and then I cheekily eat it on the way round. But it's all right when you get to the till as long as you still put in the little polythene bag that it came in. As you show them the barcode. And I wonder, I eat it myself and I wonder, why am I not vegetarian, Kev? And then I think, well, I could do it, but then I think, no, I love my sausages too much. What about much. sausages? They bring back all those heady memories of being European Player of the Year in oh, Hamburg. so many sausages. Every time I have a sausage now, I'm transported back to that time when I was pronounced champion of the world in Germany. <laughs> and uh, the quick save is now actually a Sainsbury's. So he's given he's yeah. given like a timeline. He goes through it as well. <laughs> quick save know. became Sainsbury's. The Sainsbury's will probably be a Nando soon, the way things are heading. <laughs> Who knows what will be in the post-Brexit landscape. What do you think about that no deal? Oh, I don't like the sound Keegan of that much. on Brexit would be great, wouldn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, well, he's very pro-European, obviously. He has to be. But at the same time, I can imagine him being super Incredibly patriotic. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, I just think, you know, it was like Newcastle in the 90s. you got to be a bit gung-ho about these things. <laughs> Throw a caution to the wind and faith in yourself. If it fails, it fails. But at least you've had a right good crack. <laughs> so we brought in David Ginola. <laughs> so it's a Sainsbury's now. He doesn't say what's happened to the delicatessen counter plaque. 
he probably owns that. He probably bought that when it changed to a Sainsbury's. I wonder if there is another player in the country who can beat my goals total from England's lost football grounds. That's a reach of a thought that he's really had there, weird. isn't it? Yeah. I've been thinking about this. <laughs> Sitting there with his ghostwriter, whoever that was. Here's a challenge for the statisticians out there, for the <laughs> nerds. <laughs> I haven't done the full maths, but I'm pretty confident that no one will be able to beat my record. <laughs> Baseball ground, scored there. And again, he goes on. Street, well, scored there. Hang on, he goes on. He says, I reckon I have at least a dozen from sites now occupied by Sainsbury's Tesco and Waitrose. <laughs> The supermarket goal scoring king of England. And then he says, I will have to check if I ever scored at Big and Q in Huddersfield. What? Pre- previously the old Leeds Road ground. I will have to check. You write a book, check you've that out. You've accidentally written it. You've, you've, you've published the notes to self that you're supposed to write in the margin of the first draft. But I know I got a couple at what was until recently Toys R Us. <laughs> It's, it's Brighton Branch. Not to my generation is the Goldston Ground. Every time he says something like that, again, you think of his sort of tapping Alan Shearer on the wrong shoulder persona. Yeah. A sort of like, you can see him telling you these things. Yeah. If you were interviewing him or chatting to him face to face, he'd be giving you a cheeky knowing <laughs> wink. Hey, I've scored more goals than anyone in Toys of Us. Now, I don't know if that is tongue in cheek which he kind of reads as though it could be, mm. or whether it's absolutely stone cold. What, like he is proud genuine. of it? Yeah, and but he he's, he's actually he's he gone around and he's done the research as to what these old grounds are now. In preparation for this book, I hired a car, nothing fancy, just a Vauxhall, and I drove up and down the land <laughs> to the sites of every football ground, <laughs> making notes of what were there now and how many goals I'd scored. I knocked on the door, number five, midfield close, which used to be where Roker Park was, Sunderland. <laughs> they weren't in. I waited. <laughs> <laughs> I had all night. <laughs> I got some funny looks, I can tell you. Of course, I was in one of my disguises. You're the young man. Can't, go to, Sunderland, to, can't go to Sunderland. Excuse, excuse me, are you Mr. Keegan? I went, no, lad. And I put on one of my famous accents. <laughs> no, lad, you're thinking of someone else. Now run along. <laughs> I get that a lot, but I'm not. <laughs> now, now, heck off. Heck you, you little tyke. <laughs> little cunt (laughs) the house where I grew up in Doncaster at 25 Spring Gardens was knocked down in the 1960s because they were rebuilding the town centre this could go on for fucking and there's another thing that was there once but wasn't there anymore (laughs) a whole chapter on that things that were there once but are no longer there so the house where he grew up was knocked down in the 1960s because they were rebuilding the town centre it's a shopping precinct now and an ABC cinema with multi-storey car park went on the strip of grass at the back where I first learned to control a football. I don't think the ABC cinema's going to be there anymore. There's not many of them ABC around. I cinemas exist. They haven't existed no. in fucking years. No. Unless they exist up north still, but you'd know about he's, that. He, no, we haven't even got them. We've got multiplexes now. Yeah. I think he's winging it with this bit. He's just gone back to the, to the 60s he's in his head. He's making up any old shit. Jesus he's Christ. been living outside of reality for so long that he's sort of just making up references yeah. that he thinks show that he still understands what it's like to walk amongst the rest of us. The ABC cinema. Yeah, the ABC cinema. Multi-story and, car park. They still know, have them, don't they? been replaced by one of those newfangled Lions tea shops. <laughs> <laughs> or a I'm, wimpy burger plate joint. I'm sure I saw a multi-story car park in a film I watched last week. What was it? Get Carter. Yeah, they still have them. <laughs> Put that down. Put that down, Kevin. <laughs> Come conversations uh, with himself while he's writing the book. This is a unique book 
because it is the first football memoir to be ghostwritten by the man himself. <laughs> I am my own ghostwriter. It works out best that way, both financially and from a literary perspective. <laughs> there are very few creative tensions between the two of us. The publisher had to pay me twice. Fancy that. <laughs> As for Bellevue, where I used to watch Doncaster Rovers grubbing around for points in the old fourth division, blimey, harsh, the club abandoned its home of 85 years to move to the Keepmoat Stadium in 2007. A gas explosion then ripped through the old place, blowing the mid stand to smithereens. <laughs> it is another housing estate now, but I always have fond memories from the days when it felt like the centre of my world. Wasn't that... Wasn't there some shenanigans with the Doncaster owner or something where the club got blown up and then he was found to have been... It had a hand in it or something like he that. Some, yeah, I think he did. It was Ken, I mean, Ken people, Richardson or something like people that. People complain about their chairman, don't they? So Newcastle fans, of course, <laughs> yeah. will complain about Mike Ashley for being tight and West Ham fans sometimes have the ump with David Sullivan or Karen Brady. And, you know, most, most fans have some sort of gripe. But... Whoever you are and whoever you support, at least your club chairman never blew up your own stage. <laughs> I mean, Mike Ashley's never attempted, as far as I know, to blow up St James's Park. So, he, you know, he's got that going for him. I'm not sure about what he's getting at here, because this is what I remember, and so I've just looked up on Wikipedia. There was a fire in the main stand one night in June 1995 at the Old Stadium which caused extensive damage. Nine months later, Chairman Ken Richardson was arrested after the full-time whistle blew on an evening match against against Fulham. He was charged with conspiracy to commit arson and was subsequently found guilty and sentenced to four years imprisonment. <laughs> the actual arsonist, 41-year-old Tyneside man, Alan Christiansen, mm, that sounds mm. like someone based on Tyneside who might have been wearing disguise and oh, assumed yeah. a false name. <laughs> Alan Christian Christian Christiansen. That sounds a bit like a German name, yeah. isn't it, Christiansen? <laughs> Hmm. Oh, no, he was a former SES soldier. Yeah, again, I'd... sounds like a completely made-up person. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, I've had a great idea. I'm going to make up an alter ego. Alan He's going to be called Alan Christensen, an ex-SES operative. <laughs> and my raison d'etre is going to be to set fire to football stadiums, <laughs> knock them down, and build supermarkets in Toys R Us branches. <laughs> I've set up a limited company in Panama. Under the name of Christiansen Ent Properties Enterprises Limited. The two-man operation, Alan Christiansen and Alan Christiansen. <laughs> Very few creative differences. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. The, I, I can't see anything about the gas explosion, but I'm, I'm sure our listeners will... I know um, we've got a load to we'll get through, in. but I'm, I'm looking at your notes, your bullet points, yeah. things that have caught your eye. And although it's quite far ahead... And we don't have to talk about it now, but just to whet people's appetites. Point 17 is none mentor. <laughs> I, I I was reading this book like quite a few months ago now when yeah. I first like suggested it as a deep dive. And so a lot of the details I've forgotten. You're reading it right now. Yeah. So it's great because I've forgotten certain things. I don't remember that at all, but it's a great title. I wish these were the title. Your bullet points are actually the titles of the chapters. None mentor. None mentor. And just after that, almost blinded by arrow. <laughs> Yeah. That's all coming up in the next episode, or yeah. maybe the one after that. Right, so we've 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 um right, we've dealt with the the history of various stadiums that Kev played in and have now disappeared. Um, he talks then about being a kid and sneaking into the Doncaster ground. 
He says, um, three or four of us will go to every home game, and kids being kids, we never used to pay to go through the rusty old turnstiles. Why would we when the alternative was to make a detour behind the ground and use our ingenuity to sneak in at the back of the stand? We used to stack up pile of bricks to give us a leg up, and then we would climb over a fence. So <laughs> someone even took the trouble to dig a hole beneath the fence, and we squeezed through that way. We were caught a few times and sent on our way, but we were a resourceful lot and invariably found another opportunity to get back in and watch Doncaster grubbing around for points in the Grubbing fourth division. Grubbing around. It was all part of the fun for a Saturday afternoon watching our local team. Doncaster were known for having the biggest pitch in the country. It's the biggest pitch in the country. <laughs> Just look at it. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time wondering whether I might get my chance to play on it one day. So, um... I mean, was that that was a thing for everyone back then, wasn't it? Breaking into grounds and and kind of climbing in, yeah. It it ties in a little bit with his disguised obsession, some would say fetish, and his yeah. his kind of lust for daring do. Yeah, he basically sees himself as an adventurer. Above yeah. all, more than a footballer, a, a manager, or anything else, he is an adventurer. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, his speciality is he's right, he's a bit like Hannibal Smith out of the eighteen. <laughs> He's all about disguises, outwitting his enemies, a little yeah. bit of cheeky humour thrown in. Yeah, and investigating the sites of former football stadiums and yeah. noting down which supermarkets are there now, because yeah. that, that was a quite integral part of the year team, wasn't it? it, it yeah, it's sort of like a, a an old-fashioned tea time, Saturday tea time drama, where you've got this guy, yeah. and what he is is by day he's a footballer but he's got these he's got several alter egos <laughs> and he uses he's a master of disguise yeah and uh, he also does peculiar he investigates things he, he also he's got his own detective agency in his shed he's got his own detective agency <laughs> I mean this does he's a footballer who also has a detective agency and who also is a property developer <laughs> As one eye on the property development yeah. scene, as a future thing, when and he, he once, once he up. makes it as a footballer, he links them all up together. This is it. So he, he talks about his he talks about his parents quite a bit, and I, I think we'll gloss over that because um, his dad was like quite ill quite a lot. Right, his dad worked down the mines not many, and not many laughs in that suffered from like lung infections and all that sort of thing. Um, but his dad was ill for a long time but he, his dad used to go to the Liverpool matches and the, the Liverpool chairman used to give him a whiskey in the director's oh, box yeah. every week and say there you go there's your medicine Joe fucking hell once a week and uh, even when they played away <laughs> and um, but then he's talking about 1976 there was a game at Ipswich December 1976 and I sensed something was wrong when my brother Mike who was supposed to be getting a lift from Harry Wadsley did not show up it was a first against second at the top of the first division and we lost 1-0 all I really remember is the manager, Bob Paisley, breaking the news. You're going to have to go home, son. Your dad's passed away. As blunt as that. Bob Paisley there. Yeah. The, the legendary, no-nonsense... Man manager. <laughs> yeah. Keegan, <clears throat> come over here. You know your dad? Yes, Mr Paisley. He's Bra dead. <laughs> He's a goner. Oh, Mr Paisley. Now go on, get back doing what you're doing. See you uh, Monday morning. <laughs> okay, Mr. Paisley. <laughs> Righto. Heck, I thought to myself, Dad's dead. Oh God. That's painful. It but is. you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know simple homespun, positive outlook kind of philosophy in Keegan's book, 
and you know you do sort of think he's a positive bloke and I'm sure yeah. it, it was horrible for him to have a parent die at that young age but you know he's Kevin Keegan yeah and nothing can stop nothing him nothing can knock him down nothing can stop the forward momentum of Mike he's, he's like that Chumbawamba song he gets knocked down yeah and he gets up again they could have written that song about they me perhaps yeah. they did I don't know maybe that'll be my next single who knows People have been waiting for a follow-up to head over heels for for over 45 years now. <laughs> Perhaps that could be the one. Um, that's about it for, for this episode. We'll um, we'll start next one because it, it kind of begins at the very beginning of his life and his childhood memories and all that kind of thing. Once we've got through the sadness of his dad's death, he goes back to the beginning. And there's some interesting stuff about his mum's varicose veins, uh, about hanging around with corpses, and being photographed in the local newspaper sitting on a bucket. So we'll find out about all of that no, next time in part and three. And mental And of course, non mental Yeah, so you can look forward to that. In part three of the Kagan Odyssey. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a, a new topical episode in a, a day or so. Flame your neck. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.